the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. It's date day because it's Thursday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever is on your heart. All you have to do is to provide the phone calls, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630 630- Five seven five seven. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, especially on this cold, wet day out there, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else is hands-free. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's our date day. It's, it's cold. It's cold. But it's been our date day, and you have warmed things up quite a bit today, Pastor Ron, I must say. So, uh, the cold, I'm good. We were busy. Yeah. I'll talk about that in a moment. Let me just, I want to do this at the top of the program and at the end of the program. Mm -hmm. Just a programming note for everybody in the audience. Tomorrow, we will not be on live. Uh, Tomorrow is Good Friday. We have two services. One starts at 5 o'clock, so we can't do both the show and this. Mm -hmm. So we will have a rebroadcast on the program tomorrow. And I would encourage all of you to uh, hang out with Jesus a little bit tomorrow. Spend some time with him uh, on the day that he died for your sins and mine. It's one of those things, uh, Paula, that uh, I, I never tire of thinking. Uh, you know, we had a, a question from somebody who comes to the church about about our Good Friday service. Mm-hmm. I got that. Talk about it from your perspective for a minute, will you? I just remember the very first time it happened. Um, it took me all the way back to, there was one day when we were in um, Palm Springs, and we were going to go to this movie theater. And, I mean, just, you didn't ask me this question earlier, so, but that, this thing that I'm going to talk about has so stuck in my mind. Um, I remember we would, this theater allowed you to bring in food from outside, and right next to the, the uh, theater was this candy store. And for some crazy reason, I don't know, Something hit me that I was actually holding the hammer that nailed Jesus to the cross. I didn't do anything wrong that day. I mean, I paid for my candy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, it wasn't against the rules to bring it into the theater or anything like that. But all of a sudden, it was, it was almost like it took me to my knees of what a sacrifice he made for me. And you know that the the first night that we had the good Friday service where you know I don't know what's going on until I come in here. 
you know, because you don't ask me my opinion for everything. And I like that because I like being surprised. So I come in and people are nailing their pieces of paper, either their sins that they've confessed or um, the things that they want the Lord to work on in their lives. But the, the hearing of the pounding of the nails into that cross took me all the way back to that day in Palm Springs where it was, it was like, don't ever forget what he's done for you and what he continues to do for you. And so, um, I mean, it just kind of took my breath away. And it was a very solemn, somber um, atmosphere. And it was one of those, uh, again, like, um, what's the movie? Uh, where I screamed in the theater, stop, what's the name of that oh, movie? The Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ, yeah. Where they were just beating Jesus so incredibly mercilessly that I just couldn't hardly take it. And it was kind of like that when I came into church that night. It's like, oh, my gosh. And Jesus says that he stayed there for the joy set before him. He endured the agony of the cross, scorning its shame, you know, for your sins, but mine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Paula, as the, uh, the the person who wrote the question pointed out, uh, I'm I'm very anti-emotionalism. You yes, know, I, I do I, know you. Yeah, I, 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 do, I don't want our faith to be based on emotions. Mm-hmm. And so we don't do anything here at Calvary Chapel to, to sort of heighten the emotions. You mm-hmm. know, we're not playing into the emotions of the people. And yet uh, the, the one thing that, that this service, I think, forces us to do is to be sober as we examine the depth of the sacrifice that was made for us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we get so cavalier, we Christians, we get so cavalier about, um, oh, he died for my sins and he rose again. And and rightfully so, uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday is a wonderful celebration and we should be thrilled and and the the promises of the empty tomb are, are so wonderful. Um, but but I think there's a time when we need to be sober about our faith, where we need to really contemplate exactly what it is that Jesus did. Now, one of the things that we do on the way out of our Good Friday service is that we um, uh, people come up and do a family-style communion. So families can come up and uh, partake of communion together as a family before they leave. And um, usually, you know, there's no rush um, this is the first time we've we've ever going to do two services. Just our building's not big enough, and um, you know the family communion is a time for celebration. Mm-hmm. It, it's a time to look forward to that empty tomb mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. But um, I, I I really do believe that it is appropriate, and uh, certainly the right thing for Christians to do is to uh, approach what we call Good Friday. Uh, with that sort of seriousness, yeah. um, really considering what the Lord has done for us. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So our services, if you are interested in coming, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Um, um, get, get here earlier early. than that. <laughs> yeah, if you, if, if we're going to open the doors at 4.30 so people can get in line and start mm-hmm. nailing uh, those pieces of paper to the cross. Um, and it's just whatever commitments you want to make to the Lord or whatever promises uh, that you've broken and you want to ask for forgiveness for or sins that are besetting uh, in your life, the sins that are keeping you from the intimacy with the Lord that you desire. Those are the things that you nail to the cross. Maybe it's wasting too much time on social media, uh, whatever it is. You can nail those things to the cross. And when you come in and do that, there's going to be worship music going. Mm-hmm. The church will be pretty full and mm-hmm. and uh, other people coming in. And um, um, that constant sound of the hammering of the nails into the cross uh, is going to be there. And um, it really, I think, is something that that arrests our heart in in the right way. So 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, we'll open the doors at 
4.30 for the first service, open the doors at 6.30 for people to come in uh, uh, for the 7 o'clock service. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's all we've had in the past, the 7 o'clock services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've got standing room only and people in the hallways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just believe with all the new people that are coming to the church, we needed to go to two services, and we'll see how it works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'd love to have you, and it and I promise you it will be a Good Friday service like you've never been involved in before. I think yeah. it's it's that important. Yeah, and there, there's going to be worship, right? Oh, the worship, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the worship will be going while people are the nailing whole time. Yeah. the the, the things right. into the cross. So, right. yeah, worship, and then I'll give a message. It's not a super long message on Good Friday, mm-hmm. um, but then we'll have a family style communion. And then uh, we can all go home and look forward to returning on uh, Easter morning when uh, we see what the empty tomb means for all of us. We have three services on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, That's uh, 8.30, 10.15, and 11.59. And um, uh, we don't have a lot of room on our Sunday services, but uh, you're more than welcome to join us. And um, I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do this Mm -hmm. year. Yeah, yeah. When it gets really crowded, our leadership team, and that's a pretty good-sized team, they get up out of their chairs, and if they have to, you know, stand out in the foyer or outside, that's what they'll do because we want to make sure that people get in. So that's tomorrow. Instead of a live program, we're going to be doing our Good Friday services. Paula, uh, one other thing before I kind of turn you loose is uh, this is um, um, – Day five of Jesus's um, Passion Week uh, on this Thursday. Religious tradition calls it Maundy Thursday. Um, Peter and John were sent to prepare the Passover meal. Um, they eat with the twelve uh, disciples. Um, institute um, what we call communion, the Lord's table, uh, and then Judas has to leave. It's one of the things that that always amazes me. Judas sitting in that crowd. Uh, with the the other eleven and with Jesus, and um, obviously knowing what he's done, and uh, he's hoping Jesus doesn't know, but of yeah. course Jesus knows everything. Yeah. Uh, and then it was after that where Jesus went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's always to me one of the most poignant moments in his life where he cried out for relief. If there's any other way, if there's if this cup can pass for me, yeah. and and three times he cried out, and three times his father said, "No, this is my will. There's no other way." And um, he comes out of the garden and is immediately arrested, and that sets the stage for the most brutal day Man. in the history of the world. Yeah. So that's what's been going on um, in Jerusalem on the day in 32 A.D when Jesus was getting ready to die for your sins and mine. Yeah. Man. Yeah, you know, the Good Friday service that we have here, you know, going back to your caller, you know, a lot of people, we just want the celebration, the celebration. But the Lord says to remember what I've done. And in remembering the gratitude that sometimes we could take for granted, you know, like you said, he died for my sins, I'm going to heaven, you know. But no, 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 let's remember what he's done for me. And, and you know, we have communion the first Sunday of every month, and you've never missed a communion. Yeah. Ever in, what, 28 years almost? Almost 28 years. Even when you were sick, you were still here for a communion. You said, yeah. Lord, i got to be well enough to do communion with my church. And you were here every single time. That's how important it is. The body broken for yeah. us, and then the blood poured out for us. Yeah, Paula, you remember when when I first got saved and we were going to churches when we didn't know when they did communion stuff, but but mm-hmm. whenever we go into a church and see the communion elements set up, mm-hmm. um, we were like little kids, yeah. just giddy, you know, <laughs> it's like Christmas. Well, just I can't wait, I can't mm-hmm. wait. Oh, Paul, it's communion Sunday. We can take it. Yeah. It's always been that special to me. Yeah, and it gets a little bit. It, it, it's a little hard that you know it's not a goosebump experience anymore because I do it three times every Sunday and I've been doing it for mm-hmm. the longest time. But it's so important to be here with my church. Um, I just can't imagine anything else. If I miss a communion Sunday, 
Uh, you better start looking at obituaries because, yeah, I, I mean, that's how important it yeah. is to me to be here. And uh, the Lord has been very, very gracious to me. Uh, and we don't even schedule vacations or trips or speaking engagements or anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here mm-hmm. in San Antonio, Texas for for communion. I think it's really important. You know, Paula, one of the things before we open things up for phone calls or questions that, that uh, people have or anything that you want to talk about um, we've been asked, I've been asked a lot over the last few days about this movie, uh, His Only Son. Okay, yeah. And um, so we took our date day to day, mm-hmm. and we decided to to have a good morning, go to breakfast, and then we went to a movie. Mm-hmm. And we saw His Only Son, and people are, are pressing me, so what do you think of the movie? What's uh, let me say two things, and then I'll, I'll let you kind of riff on it a little bit. But uh, it's not what I expected. His only son, it's Easter release. I figured it's going to be about Jesus mm-hmm. being sacrificed on the cross. It really wasn't. It was about Abraham mm-hmm. uh, sacrificing his son Isaac, or being willing at least to sacrifice his son Isaac from Genesis chapter 22. And um, um, I, I thought it was okay. I mean, it, it's not a high-budget movie. Production quality is average. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the heart of the movie is great. Um, but but the thing that bothers me about the movie the most is that uh, I think there's a gross mischaracterization of Sarah in the movie. Um, they make her look like a shrew at times and and unwilling to accept responsibility. Now, obviously, we know that Sarah had lapses in faith. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Who, who would believe at 90 years old that she's going to have a baby? Mm-hmm. Um, um, we know that her her pressuring Abraham to go into Hagar uh, was a horrible lapse of faith and a mistake. Uh, Abraham didn't have to do it. He shouldn't have done it, but mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they 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 showed her in one place uh, returning to pray to idols, to, to false gods. And, and, and that's just not the depiction that we get of her from First um, Peter chapter 3. Um, you know, she, she was a, a, a submitted wife. She was a godly woman. Um, the mother of the living. Um, that's what her new name meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was unfair. And, and, and I say this, I know I'm, I'm taking a risk here, but I think it was sort of uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically male in its depiction. And uh, I don't think they really got into her heart uh, at all because this was a woman um, who uh, whose faith was exemplary under impossible circumstances, and and that's what I didn't like about the movie. Mm. Uh, they, they they turned her into a faithless um, woman who was um, sort of a grumbler and a complainer and mad at her husband half the movie. And mm. I, I didn't think that was appropriate. Mm-hmm. The heart of the movie I think was right. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that was what that was fitting. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, that I, I, well, I'm glad to hear how you thought about that. The one thing that I I really liked about it is how the son was on the same page of faith with his dad, you know, and I'm sure his mother as well. But like you said, it was mostly about Abraham, um, and Sarah had the had a role, yeah, but it was mostly. Abraham, like like you're saying, I was thinking it's going to be about Jesus too, but I'm glad I didn't have to witness him being beat up again, yeah. um, because they did have, well, Jesus on the cross at the end, um, representing the the sacrifice, sacrificial lamb. But I, I really enjoyed the fact that the young son was so obedient. Yeah, I think Isaac's depiction was great. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, uh, maybe even a little too generous based on his character. We know a lot about Isaac's character mm. um, after father's gone and, and and his character is was not exemplary. Um, but, but as a young boy, at least depicted in this movie, um, I, I thought it was very, very courageous. Mm-hmm. Young boy, when I say young boy, looked to be in his early 20s. In the movie, mm. and um, um, I, I thought that was that was well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give the whole thing away because I still yeah. think people should <clears throat> support that we have Christian movies. There was nothing seemly, you know, uh, 
it was just, I thought it was well done for as little money as they had. Um, It's kind of slow, but, you know, if you pay attention, you'll get it because it kind of goes back in time and then today, kind of that the day, today, that day. What was the best thing about the movie for you? The best thing? I don't know. The fact that, well, I tell you what, it was making me think, like, you know, because the bad depiction of Sarah is like, oh, Lord, I, I, help me to remain faithful. Don't let me fall back just because things get hard. Just because you have to wait and wait. You know? Lord, this man you gave me. Yeah. You, you I, was, I was thinking, you know, okay, Abraham, this is all your fault. You know, like when, when God said he was going to save you. Hello, you know. You didn't ask for a pastor. Huh? <laughs> well, I didn't ask for it to be 13 years either, is what I'm thinking. Because when she got to 10 years and nothing has happened, the the thing is, sometimes... You know, nothing's happening because God is, like Abraham said, God is doing something. He's working here. He's testing our mm-hmm. faith. He already knows Sarah is lacking faith. He already knew Abraham was lacking faith. And lessons have got to be learned. And I loved when when the Lord comes back to Abraham and says, okay, now walk blameless. Yeah. Now I'll walk blameless. Okay, yeah. you've already messed up. That was almost a, that was almost the moment when Hebrews eleven says uh, Abraham reasoned that well if I'm going to do this God's going to raise him from the dead mm-hmm. and it was almost mm-hmm. like in that moment that's when the Lord appeared to him and said okay now walk blameless before me yeah. and that's exactly what he, my favorite part of the movie was the the um, the, the silent struggle that Abraham endured during that three-day journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's very hard to put on film. Mm-hmm. And and I thought uh, b- both the producer, the director, and, and the actor playing Abraham did a really good job. In fact, there were a couple of times when the son would say, Father, mm-hmm. you know, are, are you okay? Yeah, and, have and, I done and, something? Yeah, have I done something? Yeah. Because he was obviously troubled. Mm-hmm. And um, to hear, sacrifice your son, your only son. Yeah. Uh, so So I thought that was really, really yeah. well done. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. And we can't do spoiler alerts because everybody knows how Genesis 22 ends. Oh, okay. So, so okay, yeah. yeah. So you know the whole thing. Just go <laughs> see it and see how it looks in, in, in theater. Yeah, but I think the heart behind the movie was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing I don't think we Christians ought to do. Say, you know, Christians make cheesy movies because it's not Star Wars. You know, we shouldn't expect that. This movie was made on a budget. The production budget was $250,000, mm-hmm. which is like... Uh, me trying to go buy a new car for 35 cents. Mm. You know, you're just not going to get much. Mm-hmm. But but it's what they did with with what they had. Yeah. And and I think, again, I think the heart was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Just the depiction of Sarah, mm-hmm. I think, was, was uncharacteristically yeah. unfair. Okay. All right. Okay, well, we've got four minutes in this half of the program, so you got four minutes worth of stuff you want to talk about? Oh, man, mm-hmm. okay. Well. Then we'll get to the second half, and you can... Turn loose. Okay. So you want me to ask you this question? Hmm? Okay. So this person says, I have someone in my life who is rude, disrespectful, and it's difficult for me to get close to her again. I have forgiven, and I pray for her, but I haven't had the desire to get close for fear of fights and cussing out, gossiping, and etc. When that has happened in the past, it took me a while to get over it, and I don't want it to happen again if I can avoid it. This is a professing Christian. Is it okay to keep my boundaries? I'm not keeping malice. I checked on her when she had issues. And then she says, please respond only at your convenience. So... Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times we Christians think that we got to take a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. The one thing I never do, uh, it doesn't matter if it's counseling, marriage counseling, and that sometimes can get ugly, uh, or or does somebody mad at me? The one thing I never will do is let somebody who says they're a Christian sit and cuss at me. Mm-hmm. Not ever. Look, if that's what you're here to do, mm-hmm. then then, then the done. conversation's over. There's yeah. no point in, in going on. Yeah. I love you. I'm going to pray for you. Mm-hmm. But but this is not the way a Christian should behave. Mm-hmm. And I think those are healthy boundaries. Not only are they healthy boundaries, Paula, but they're boundaries that witness uh, to your steadfastness before the Lord. So what I would tell this woman is um, you, you care for this woman, so tell her. I, I, I don't want to get in fights with you. I don't want to hear you curse. I don't want to hear you um, gossiping. gossiping. Mm-hmm. So so rather than um, open that door, uh, I'm just going to tell you, if those are the things you're going to do when you come to me, just don't bother. Mm-hmm. 
I love you and I've been praying for you and I forgive you, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're mm-hmm. not going to go down that road again because Christians ought not to act that way. Now, often when we do that, Paula, uh, we'll be met with, oh, you're judging me. Um, just no, Christians aren't supposed to behave that way. And I'm not going to get caught up in that behavior. So God bless you. I love you. And if you want to talk to me, you know now what the ground rules are. And I think that's a healthy boundary and protects you in the process. You know, as well as anybody, how easy it is to get swept into gossip. Yeah. You just you, you don't even realize it's happening, and suddenly you think, "Oh, this! I feel like I need a shower or yeah, something." Yeah. Uh, you just need to have those boundaries, yeah, yeah. and so you don't have to invite people like that back into your life. Mm-hmm. That's not um, a complete restoration of the relationship. Is up to the offender, and and that requires some change. Again, it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. It doesn't mean that you're holding anything against this person. What it means is that you care enough to protect your witness so that you can be a witness for her. So thank you for the question. I Mm -hmm. appreciate it very, very much. We've got 30 minutes left in the date day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. Uh, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is The Word to Stand On for Life, and we'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Date Day show, 340-9585. That's area code 210 is our main number. Paula, you have 30 minutes, no, actually 26 minutes. Whatever's on your heart, now it's your day. Oh, dear. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was just thinking about, you know, we've come back from our retreat and People are going through stuff. And so a lot of our ladies are saying, I'm enduring. I'm <laughs> enduring. You know, the, the I, oak I think next year you should try, instead of enduring uh-huh. or persevering, okay. you should you should have a theme, laughing. Yeah, no, we already have the theme, and I, I forgot it now. Because <laughs> it's a year from now, so I've been thinking about other things that I have to do between <laughs> now and then. And it's what is it? I don't remember what it is now, but we already have one. Um, but no, no problem. But yeah, and so the, we've been praying for the Lord to um, give us boldness because um, the time is short. Um, in talking with the young lady today, um, she knows the life that she's living is wrong. She knows it, and yet she's still kind of living in it. Um, because she says, I, I told her, I said, you know right from wrong. She goes, I know, I know. You know, I know, I know. And a lot of people say that. I know, I know. But I'm going to church every Sunday. But are they telling you that the way you're living, or do they know about the way you're living that you keep saying, I know, I know about? You know, because a lot of times we, we have people coming to church, we don't really ask them, you know, because we can see that something's going on. But we don't really want to ask him because we are we be guilty of judging him. The Lord says you can't judge a person's heart, but you can their behavior. And if we will just kind of, you know, point out somebody's behavior, like with this young girl today, she's saying, "I know, I know," and I'm in trouble. You know, she's got some legal stuff coming, and I'm in trouble. And I just told her, I said, "You know what? You can be religious." And you can go to church all the time, but if you might possibly get in trouble, you want Jesus to be with you where you're going to be. So you don't need to be just religious. You need to be born again. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you know what I, I tell know. you, Paula, all the time, people don't really know anything that they say they know if they're mm-hmm. not doing mm-hmm. what they say they know. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Well, I know this, but I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, then they don't really know it at all. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that we've got to focus. I love 
um, that you looked at this girl today and you said to her, you said, you know what we do, right? <laughs> and and in other words, you're saying, look, your, your, your questions, we have answers for them. You know what we do and where we are. So all you got to do is make that commitment to Jesus and... And, you know, that's when, well, okay, I got to go back to work now. I got to do this. But you you know what? It's, it's our responsibility. When, when God puts somebody like that in front of us, it's our responsibility to um, tell them what's right. Yeah. Give, them, give them the path out. Um, we started talking to her today because she had all kinds of tattoos. Mm-hmm. And because I can't see, I can use that as, a, as an advantage. Oh, I can't really see. Mm-hmm. What does that say? Mm-hmm. And so she starts explaining her tattoos, and then the perfect opening was there, and that's yeah. what you kind of jumped on. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning those little tricks from you, Pastor Ron, because you, you read stuff, and you're like, ooh, there's an opening. Well, she, yeah, she had she had Christian-sounding like, things on there, and then... Not so Christian things on. on she actually said, "I've got a devil." Yeah, was, and yeah. and uh, something else that blessed. was and blessed on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you said, "You're confused." You, we, yeah, we, you're we, confused. We've been praying for you. <laughs> yeah, you can't be blessed <laughs> and have a devil. You I mean yeah. what? What are you? What are you doing? Oh, I know, I know. She yeah, said. Yeah. So that really opened the door for you. Yeah, and, and that's going to happen more often in our world. And you know. I do not like confrontation. I really don't. But sometimes the Lord will just kind of push you out there and he'll say, say something. Because <laughs> I love this person or that person. Let them know that there is a better way. And this is my opportunity. And I don't have to worry tonight anyway that I missed that opportunity. Um, she has my phone number. I have hers. Um, she has a card to the church. She already told me that she's coming. We'll just see. Yeah. We'll you know, it was see. interesting to me that there was a, a girl's name on her arm, mm-hmm. tattooed on her arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing got me is is uh, um, she was, that, that girl was dead. She said, well, I lost. that. That's my girl. I lost her. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, oh, oh well, you don't know this, but I used to be with a, with a, with a girl. And it, it's just so matter of fact, like like for that young generation, and she's twenty, twenties, yeah, in that in that area. Um, but it was just so natural. It was like no conviction, yeah. no shame. You know, in the United States, Paula, we've in the world actually, uh, we've lost the ability to blush. Um, shame is a good thing if you if you're doing shameful things, yeah. and uh, it was just like hey, this is just like everybody else, no big deal. And and that's the way she taught it, and, and it's our responsibility then to make it kind of a big deal. Yeah. That's what you did, yeah. and you did in the most loving way. I hope so. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Walking in the light as he is in the light is our theme. Thank you to our producer. He just <laughs> let me know. Our next is walk in the light as he is in the light. We don't have to endure, but he's wanting us to live open and blameless and, you know, not just— be a professing Christian, but uh, live in the light as Jesus is. What does Paul say? And put it into practice. And put it into practice. Yeah. And that's where the freedom is. Yeah. So I can't wait for next year already. Um, we're going to have the same guest speaker, and she was amazing. And uh, I'm not talking about myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to walk in the light as he is in the light. And when you're walking in the light as he is in the light, you're less likely to walk in the darkness and do what people do in the dark, trying to be, you know, hiding and secretive about those things. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Yeah. Okay. You know, one of my, one of my favorite verses, Jesus, uh, when when he, he, he speaks like he's speaking from um, the, the, the judge's seat and he says, this is the verdict. Mm -hmm. Um, Light has light, light has come into the world, but people hated light because (laughs) their deeds were evil. evil. Um, They loved the darkness instead of the light. Yeah. And and that's the world that we live in, and we can't shrink back. We can't let the light shrink back because we might offend somebody who's living in darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you, you go into a completely dark room and you turn on the light, it gets light instantly. Mm-hmm. The light overwhelms the darkness. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, we 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 want to keep the light on. Yeah. In the same way, turn the light off, and life and the the, the room gets dark yeah. instantly. Yeah. Well, we need to keep the light on wherever we go. Yeah. 
And I just think a lot of um, Christians are are so uncomfortable with that and uh, so upset by the way the world views them. Well, I don't want people to think I'm judging. I don't want people to think I'm a hater or I'm a bigot. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't worry about those things. God knows your heart. You know your heart. Mm-hmm. And what we got to do is we got to stand tall and mm-hmm. say, hey, get ready. Light's coming on. Light's coming on. And that's what Jesus did. Light came in the world yeah. and people hated him yeah. because yeah. their deeds were evil. Yeah. And, you know, as Christians, we don't have to worry about how bright our light is. You know, some people think, oh, I can never be like Pastor Ron or a pastor, you know, they got a big light. I go to them to ask for prayer and stuff like that. But I remember being in um, at Alcatraz with, with our kids and they put you in the cell. It's so black. Yeah, that's like in the solitary confinement. Solitary place, confinement. Yeah. It's so black that you can't see the white of anybody's eyes or the brightest white teeth. I mean, it's Black, you know you're in there because with other people, because I saw all of them, and I'm holding my two kids. We're all in there, but you cannot see a thing and the the guide lit a little strike match that little tiny bit of light we all were like, "Whoo, praise the Lord, kind of a thing, <laughs> you know because so you don't have to worry about how small your light or your faith in Christ is, if you know just the smallest, like the, 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 the man born blind, I don't know who it is, what it is, but I used to be blind, now I can see. If you could just <laughs> say that, you know. And as you share, he said, oh, do you two want to be one of his disciples? He, I mean, he, his, he his got faith, pretty bold, didn't he? Mm-hmm, he got pretty bold. And so... You say this all the time. The one thing we are um, professional at is our own testimony. Yeah, we're experts. Experts. Experts uh-huh. is the word I use. So if that's the only light, that's the best light. Share what God has done in your life. Mm-hmm. Nobody can deny it. Yeah. You know, you can say, look, you knew me. I was a jerk. Uh-huh. I'm not a jerk anymore. That's right. People actually like me now. When I got <laughs> saved, that was the one thing that just amazed me more than anything else. I came home one day and said, Paula, I think those people really love me. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying, well, they do. And well, how can anybody love me? Nobody's yeah. ever loved me. Just and and it it's just that's what God will do. Yeah. And you can share that testimony mm-hmm. with people. That was Pastor Bob. He wanted us to stay mm-hmm. in California. Oh. He was going to help you get your own church. Just please stay. And, and, and we're like, that's that was you. You were so cute. You're like, they really like me. They <laughs> they, want, they want me to be a part of their their circle. Oh, this is something. Yeah, so that was cute. You know, off subject, I don't know where you're going next, Paula. But I don't either. Okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. But do you, do you remember that day that, that uh, the day that we left uh, that church? Um, I've been saved for a while and um, got really involved in the church. It wasn't a Calvary Chapel. It was just uh, a place. I, we didn't have a car, so a place we could walk Locked to when in. we were homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got really, we dug in, we really got involved. And there was some stuff that I knew wasn't quite right, but I was a new Christian, mm-hmm. basically, and didn't know what to do. But we stayed that church for like a year and a half. And um, when when Bible college was over, we were getting ready to leave, he invited me to speak that Sunday at the church. And then afterwards, they held a, like a party for us, and people were sharing their heart, the stuff that we meant to them. And it was overwhelming. It was just overwhelming to to have that kind of an impact in people's lives. And you're not even aware of it mm-hmm. while it's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was an amazing thing. Do you remember our reaction those days? I remember there was this one young girl named Elizabeth. And in the week before we were getting ready to take off, she must have come to the house or their, our little apartment I don't know how many times. I just can't imagine that you're not going to be here. And she wanted to clean, you know, because she just wanted to stay. She just wanted to stay. And then um, Sandy, Pastor Bob's wife, I don't know how many times she came over, you know. I don't know what I'm going to do without you being around, you know, because I used to uh, clean her house and watch her son, Ben, who, was he Down Syndrome? Down Syndrome. Down Syndrome, okay. And just, 
to stay with him because she needed a break. And so I would do um, their laundry and clean their house because that's what the Lord had told me to do is not putting myself up on anything. Just I knew how to clean. so And, and just would stay hours with their son, and he just would watch the same movie over and over and over. A Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. <laughs> so loud, so loud. Um, he was really hard of hearing, so yeah. it was full volume. Yeah, it was time. full volume. And he was like four inches in front of the TV yeah, watching. Yeah, but very respectful. You know, and I'd say, Ben, you got to close the door right now, buddy. Because <laughs> 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 I wasn't Mama Paula then, but I, oof, I was, it was loud. But um, she just needed a break, but she was thinking, what am I going to do with you not being here? You know, you've been such a big help to to me and Ben and Bob. It was just, yeah, you've learned so much. You've grown so much. Thank you, you know, for being a part of our church. I was on the worship team. Um, it was just an amazing thing when, um, I think it was her name was Elaine or Eileen, the, the, the worship team's wife. Yeah, you know, Eileen. Eileen, yeah, she was Cubano, yeah, and she Cubana. She would, she had the best um, recipes, and she would always invite me over, and she tried to teach me how to cook, and I was like, you know, I just really like to eat your food, <laughs> <laughs> and she liked that because she loved to cook. But the people were just, they didn't want us to leave. I still think that was the most emotional. 10 days of my life yeah. and our lives probably yeah. it was just when, when it was over and we left that, that Sunday, Easter Sunday morning mm-hmm. to, to come to Texas uh, we stopped it, in Arizona we stopped in Arizona a friend of mine said you can stay at my house um, we couldn't afford hotels or anything so mm-hmm. you can stay at my house mm-hmm. we're not going to be there mm-hmm. and uh, we got in this house it's like we slept 12-14 hours a day every night every we night were in just, bed yeah. like at 10 o'clock at night and didn't get up till the next and morning be in the word and then go take walks mm-hmm. and we're just waiting for the Lord to say okay it's time to go I think what did we stay there four days uh-huh. and um, I remember the morning we were out taking a walk and I said Paul the Lord says it's time to go mm-hmm. And 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 that was from Phoenix to San Antonio. Yeah. And, and you uh, remember Ronnie, our son, was supposed to come to, to Phoenix, Phoenix yeah. to meet us and pick up his letterman's jacket and something else, and he didn't come. And so when he called us to say, oh, Mom, Mom, I can't get there, I said, this is what I said, no problem, I'll bring it back when I get home. <laughs> and then it hit me. You looked at me. I, I looked at you yeah. Paula. We're not going We're not back going to California. Home. That's We're, not home. And it just was like, oh, my. Yeah, that's right. This is really happening. And so, well, yeah. And our dog, we had our dog at the time, 120-pound dog in the front of the Chevy S what? S10. S10 just a little, pickup. little tiny truck. Oh, my goodness. And... Uh, so emotional. I, I remember just crying. Are you sure God said we're supposed to go? My kids are in California. At the time, my mom was there. Who's going to save them? Right? Just pathetic. And I looked at you and said, this is this is one of the reasons that people have a hard time with me sometimes. I looked at mm-hmm. you and said, do you think God needs you to save them? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you are a jerk. <laughs> yes, he needs me to save them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a time that we'll never forget. You know, we've, we've got a, a couple of people that are out now just starting planting new churches. And one of the things I tell them is I said, remember everything. Yeah. Remember everything. Don't forget anything. Just remember the kisses of the Lord. Remember when you see the hand of God move. Write them down. You and your wife talk about them. Mm-hmm. And, and together worship the Lord because of those things. Because believe me, when the hard things come, you're going to need to remember that this was God that sent you. Yeah. And we knew. I mean, there was no there doubt. There was we no knew doubt. I just, that God called us mm-hmm. to come here. Yeah. And it made no sense. As I've said many times on this program, we, we'd never been to Texas, didn't want to come to Texas, and we didn't know anybody in Texas. But we knew Jesus said, that's where I'll be waiting for you. Yeah. Oh, and man. we had to get here. And and you know what? Stuff like that that doesn't make sense. You need to remember every single time God moves on your behalf. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I remember stopping, you know, where are we going to stay? Who's going to take us in a, in a hotel with our dog, you know? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? How, you know, when we left, we didn't have any, really any, well, we had money then, but before we were planning, we didn't have any money. What are we going to do? Until the Lord says, you know, have the yard sale, <laughs> sell your stuff. And we made, some, we had some money. So we get mm-hmm. here. And I think we stopped the last time was in Junction. Yeah. Oh. Don't remind me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm just so grateful God didn't say, plant a church in Junction, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. The hotel, I mean, by the time we got there, nothing was open. We had no food. The little place we could afford to stay in. The little convenience store next door. We walked and had Twinkies for dinner or something. Uh, yeah, something really ridiculous. But I remember at night, you know, sleeping there, and I'm already nervous. We're not going back to California, <laughs> and we're really in Texas. And, and look where we are, you know. And um, I remember hearing noise on the on the headboard, thinking, there's rats in here. <laughs> we got to go back to California. This is not for me. And so, oh, my. But I think it was just your hand moved. <laughs> That's just how nervous I was. But the trip out here, you know, with that $1 we paid for a truck, talking about remembering, they had taken that truck, and it had air conditioning, which it never had before when we before we left to come here. Just talking about the hand of the Lord. Um, one of the guys from that church <coughs> took that uh, little truck and said, I am not letting you guys drive across the... Desert. Yeah, he happened to be an auto shop teacher at mm-hmm. junior college, yeah. Chafee Junior College. Yeah, he said, I am not letting you drive this this truck that you paid a dollar for and the list of things that was wrong with it um, across the desert. He gave us his car, took our little $1 truck, and they fixed it. It had solid brakes, tires, air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> I said that one two times, right? Um but just the hand of the Lord who took care of us. It was kind of like, you know, Abraham on this, in the movie today. He said, because Sarai was, or Sarah was nervous about him taking their son, their only son, Isaac, across. There's bandits and robbers and wild beasts and stuff. Um, and he says to her, the Lord will lead and guard. And that's how it was when we came across the desert in our truck we paid a dollar for and with our dog we had to stop every 50 miles to let our dog out to get some water stretch his legs go to the bathroom so it took us a while to get here but um they forget the dog i got about a six hour time limit that i could sit in the car <laughs> yeah. and so so it took us four days yeah. actually to make the drive yeah. all the way out here from phoenix yeah but you know we saw things we have seen things paula that most christians never get to see because you're in a, in a situation, you say we had money. We had $2,800 mm-hmm. when we came. Yeah. That's all when we, we had. We didn't have that when we got here. We had. The, yeah, when we left California, mm-hmm. we had $2,800. Yeah. And we got here during fiesta time. So it's about this time of oh year. And, and hotels were more expensive than I thought they would be. Yeah. And remember, this is 32 years ago, or I'm sorry, 28, 28 years mm-hmm. ago. And uh, we're here during fiesta. Um, Nobody would rent us an apartment because they didn't have a job, mm-hmm. and and so I'm sitting here thinking it's a, it's a hundred dollars a day at the hotel that doesn't count food, mm-hmm. and we got twenty eight hundred dollars. I can do the math, and so Lord, we we only have twenty eight hundred dollars. We saw God stretch those provisions in ways that were impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really went through some hard, hard, hard times. Uh, but but the joy of the Lord was always there. The joy of the Lord was always there. I remember a day I went running and and um, saw a rattlesnake in the middle of the street, you know, out there. I'm thinking, my goodness. Where are we? And we'd see the fire ants, and I couldn't get over the fire ants. I was fascinated. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, this is home now. Yeah. And I remember the day that we sold that $1 truck. We sold it for $2,500. And I came back and told you, the Lord said, sell the truck. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, I said, Paula, you understand that this is yours too. And if we sell this truck, it means we're Texans. Mm-hmm. 
There's no turning back. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things in the movie today, Abraham was uh, um, telling Sarah what he was doing, and she was saying, well, what about this? What about this? And he, he just basically said, we must do what God commanded. Because mm-hmm. she said, Let's, we need to go back home, because mm-hmm. this land that he's given you, it's, it's dry, it's barren, just like me, your wife. We need to go back home. And he said, no, no, no. God keeps his promises. Well, Paula, we're, tomorrow's Good Friday. We're two minutes left in the program. Mm. What, what do you want to say to Well, you know, I'm thinking, because I already know that the, the paper is going to ask me, uh, what are the things on my heart that you want to hand over to the Lord? Is there any sin that you want to confess? Knowing that um, he's already forgiven past, present, and future sins. Um, he knows every single thing about me, you, and everyone else. Um, so there's no hiding and just, I don't have to share anything with anyone else, but the Lord really loves it when we write on there in all honesty, Lord, I really want to be better. I don't want to be bitter. I, I really, Lord, want to be more gracious, you know, I, and forgiving. I, 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 I know I shouldn't be drinking, but I am. I know I shouldn't be doing drugs or Lord you've talked to me about smoking but mm-hmm. I haven't given that up for you mm-hmm. he wants you to nail those things on the cross yeah. because the empty tomb on Sunday yeah. is sort of vindication yeah. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we're coming to yeah. very quickly um, reminder programming reminder no live program tomorrow it's Good Friday uh, we have two Good Friday services, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Please get here early and um, be prepared to enjoy what the Lord is going to do. May God bless you and keep you. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Monday on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.